Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department, let's see more. I dare say the soil around here must be quite fat with corpse manure. Bones, flesh, nails, dreadful. Of course the cells are whatever they are, go on living. Live forever, practically. Nothing to feed on. Feed on themselves. But they must breed a devil of a lot of maggots. Poor Dignam. His last lie on earth in his box. When you think of them all, it doesn't seem, it seems. When you think of them all, it does seem a waste of wood. They could invent something with a kind of panel sliding it down that way. Aye, but they might object to be buried out of another fellow's. They're so particular. Lay me in my native earth. Bit of clay from the Holy Land. We see what it means. To protect them as long as possible, even in the earth. The Irish man's house is his coffin. Embalming and catacombs, mummies. Same idea. Who is that lanky-looking galoot in the Macintosh? Never seen him before. Good idea. The Latin. Stupefied and forced. Lourdes courses. Statues bleeding. Safe in the arms of kingdom come. Wake up this time next year. Oh, Rudy. You would be 11 years old now. It would be fair to say James Joyce is Ireland's most famous writer. He is also probably the 20th century's greatest writer. Or was he? To discuss this, I'm delighted to be joined by the Dean of the Faculty of Humanities and Social Sciences, Derek Hand. So, uh, Derek, uh, we've got about half an hour left. Yeah. Uh, which means uh, we can comfortably get in the whole of Ulysses, <laughs> 699 pages. Uh, okay, what is Ulysses about? What's going on? What's happening? Well, what isn't happening, right? <laughs> um, look, there's a number of ways of, of, of approaching uh, Ulysses. So there's a story, but there isn't much of a story, right? Because it's one day, 16th of June, uh, 1904. We have three main characters, Stephen Dedalus, Leopold Bloom, and Bloom's wife, uh, Molly Bloom. Um, in many ways, and what you've got there, I suppose, is the entirety. So you've got Daedalus, a young man, Bloom, a middle-aged man, and then we have the female voice and character. Um, I think in that way, uh, Joyce can sort of touch upon, you know, different concerns, different issues, different things that he might be kind of interested in. Um, but as I was saying earlier, the real hero is Bloom, because in many ways, he is complete. He is a lover. He is a husband. He is a son. He is a father. Um, he is all of these kind of things. He is multivarious uh, in, in many ways, in a way that Daedalus is not, because Daedalus is still a wannabe writer, but very much focused uh, on that. 
so he can't be the hero in the way that uh, uh, Bloom is. But in many ways, it's about relationships uh, between people, family relationships. Um, it's about identity. Uh, it's about belonging. Um, but it's about literally life uh, um, and, and, and how it might be uh, lived. And we see this through these uh, characters. So we see them wandering around Dublin, various aspects of Dublin. Um, it is roughly based on... Homer's Odyssey, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I think that's important because it gives a scaffolding. So if it's a story about, you know, one day in, in Irish life or Dublin life, a way of giving it a, a, a kind of scaffolding that might give it a, a kind of extra uh, sense of purpose is the um, uh, Homeric um, references and, and to the Odyssey. So if the Odyssey is about uh, Odysseus' return from, uh, from Troy... Uh, home, I think that idea of the journey, I think, is important. Um, but all the things that happen to Odysseus happen to Bloom and or uh, Stephen uh, in some way. But, and here's the important thing, is that Joyce, once he had written Ulysses and written his 18 chapters that correspond to 18 episodes in, in the Odyssey, he felt, yeah, I could burn that kind of bridge down. It doesn't matter. It, it allowed me to get from A to B, as it were. And once I'm there... You don't need the scaffolding. It's like when you build a house, you take the scaffolding away. Um, so um, you can make a lot of the references. I think they're important, but I suppose you don't have to make uh, too much of them. The other thing I think that's important about them, so for some uh, critics and readers, um, and these would have been Joyce's contemporaries, the Homeric references elevated Irish life, okay, of you know the late 19th, early 20th century. Oh, look. Here are people who are sort of reenacting um, aspects of this great foundational text in, in Western European literature, the Odyssey. So look at those Irish people. They're a bit like um, uh, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks. But in many ways, that suggests then that we've moved away from that, that there's been a kind of declension from this great heroic past into the kind of sordid, murky uh, present. But I think what Joyce does forces us to actually reverse that and say, well, look at the Greeks, they're a bit like us. So in, in a sense, it's, it's both that sense of, you know, yeah, we're coming after, but also it's a way of looking at that past and saying, look how, look how our lives are, are important. Again, that, that sense of the ordinary, the everyday is really important. It is really uh, extraordinary. So that's one aspect of it, that kind of design. Um, in terms of the, of the story told, Daedalus still wants to be a writer, um, and and I think that's it. His his difficulty, I think, Daedalus's difficulty, is that he realizes that if he stays in Ireland, he will have to take on the responsibility for his family, and he realizes if he does that, well, then he will never be a writer. So that's his kind of dilemma throughout the day, and a lot of his concerns are around literally that: do I stay or do I go? Um, and and. We'll never know because we don't know what happens on the 17th of, uh, of June or the 18th of June. But, you know, you get that sense that ultimately he's making that, uh, that kind of decision. For Bloom... Okay, quite, yeah, sorry. Yeah. A question about Bloom. Yeah. Why is Bloom uh, Jewish? Why does he make him Jewish? Bearing in mind that, you know, it wasn't common. Yeah. I know there were some, but yeah, not yeah. a lot. No. Why was it? I think, well, 
a number of things. It, 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 and these are actually very good artistically choices or aesthetic choices. So, but one, it makes um, Bloom an outsider, okay? And I think that's important. Joyce himself said that he felt that the Irish and the Jews had a lot in common, been persecuted, been in many ways cut off from the reality of their own place and location and so on. So he wanted to make connections in that way. I think aesthetically it allows him to look at things. So there's some wonderful moments in Ulysses where Bloom goes into uh, Westland Row uh, Catholic Church and because he's not a Catholic, he's looking at the, at, the, at the mass, as it were, as an outsider. So things that a lot of readers might have thought was just everyday and normal, he can like, oh my God, look, he's waving this thing around. What's all that about? Or the funeral in Glasnevin and, you know, the, the incense and so on. Yeah, that looks, you know what I mean? Because it, you're, you're just, it's a little technique, but suddenly things that people might think they know, you're getting it from this perspective of someone who doesn't. And so we see it uh, afresh, uh, as it were. But that idea of the outsider, I think, uh, is important. Um, the idea of someone who stands apart. Um, what I think is interesting is that there's a contrast then with Daedalus. Daedalus as an artist chooses to stand apart. I'm an artist. I'm not like everybody else. I'm better than you, right? Whereas Bloom, which I think is interesting, which kind of foreshadows the work of Samuel Beckett and, and other writers later in the 20th century, he endures alienation, right? He doesn't want to be, uh, you know, Billy Nomates. He doesn't want to be uh, different, but that's just part of, of who he is. And throughout the novel, he is constantly put in his place. He's made seem a part. He's never one of the gang. And again and again, you see that. And he knows it. Um, and some of those are the most humane moments, I think, for me in the, in the novel. You know, he kind of recognizes his apartness, but realizes that that is his lot. So it's not like, oh, I'd rather be someone else. It's like, well, actually, I am who I am. So there's something brave about that, too. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie? Doro. Make friends with innovation. You see, it's true. It's from the Greek transmigration of the soul. Some people believe that we go on living in another body after death. They call it reincarnation. Metempsychosis is what the ancient Greeks called it. They used to believe you could be changed into an animal or a tree. My beloved subjects, a new era is about to dawn. I, Bloom, tell you verily, it is even now at hand. Yeah, on the word of a Bloom, ye shall ere long enter into the golden city, which is to be the new Bloom's Jerusalem in the Nova Hibernia of the future. It was originally not banned here, but it was banned in America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sex. Gary. Yeah, sex. <laughs> Americans banning sex. sex. I know. What, what they gave it back to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that. I think there's. Look again. It goes back to we're talking about the bodily functions uh, earlier, and I think there's a kind of openness to sexuality here, um, but also, and I think importantly, it isn't just male 
sexuality, but also female sexuality. And particularly, you could look at Molly's final soliloquy, where we, we get that um, uh, that sense of, of a feminine idea of, of the body uh, and sexuality, which perhaps was uh, problematic for uh, readers. Now, it was never banned in Ireland, but the joke is, well, we didn't read it here anyway, so we didn't have to ban it, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I think that's... I, Again, that purience, that sort of sense of what's polite, what we can talk about, what we can't. But uh, yeah, look, I think that's it. I think Joyce wanted to present warts and all, let us say. That's what he was trying to sort of do. Um, but Bloom, um, I think what's interesting about Bloom's character is his dilemma is, is that his wife is having an affair with Blazes Boylan. And he knows that too. And a lot of the other male characters that he meets throughout the day also knows that. So there's a kind of, you know, uh, dancing around that fact and a few kind of asides and so on and so forth. But again, as, as, the, as, the, as the novel develops, we get a picture of their relationship, um, what drew them together. Um, and also because of Molly's soliloquy at the end, we get her sense of the relationship, which I think is actually revolutionary. What's interesting about Molly is she's talked about by all these men throughout the day but she has the final word at the end of the novel and so she can put them in their place and she does do actually uh, which is uh, nice to sort of see um, but also importantly she sort of says on the Hill of Holt uh, where her, herself and Bloom first sort of stepped out together that you know um, she chose him and he remembers it in that way as well which I think is interesting that kind of power relationships between men and women who's in control and in many ways, it ought to be something more democratic than, you know, either men or women. I think that's another aspect of what he's trying to do. So he's looking at, uh, I suppose, different aspects of personalities, gender roles, ideas of identity. Um, but also it's a very male world. That's the other thing, of course. Um, all these men wandering around Dublin. People don't seem to do much a lot of work on this day. <laughs> a lot of the men don't. But um, like there's fun in it, but there's also a kind of sense in which real action, real authority, real power seems elsewhere. Certainly not in some of the pubs uh, that uh, Bloom uh, enters or we see characters enter and exit and so on and so forth. That whole idea of it's a kind of anti-hero. Mm. Interesting that he, one of his characters, obviously important of the artist, yeah. man is Stephen Hero. I presume that's not an accident either. Yeah. Um, but there's an anti-hero quality to it. It sounds very much like something that in influenced a lot of stuff that came after it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the idea of not an anti-hero, but somebody who is every day that literally you could, oh, hey, he's a bit like me, you know, as opposed to a Robinson Crusoe, a, a larger than life figure and so on, that uh, in, in many ways there are flaws, there are faults, you know, and I think that's, that's important uh, and was important to Joyce. And I think... Readers then, as now, find that attractive. And that it, it is the important contrast between Daedalus, who sees himself or positions himself in that kind of heroic way, right? That he, he imagines himself in that way. Whereas Bloom doesn't actually, sees himself as, yeah, okay. You know, as I said, there's one, there's one beautiful scene, and it's the, the, the uh, Glass Nevin cemetery scene when they, they, their poor little Paddy Dignam has, has died and they're going to the funeral. So there's aspects, you know thinking about death and so on. But Bloom throughout that episode, as I was saying in, in other aspects, is always put in his place. So he 
he begins to tell a story and he's not very good at telling it. Whereas uh, Stephen Dedalus's father, you know, yeah, yeah, shush, bloom, I'll tell it. And he's a good storyteller. And so that's fine. So he's constantly being put uh, in, in his place. But at the end of that episode, after this kind of, the corresponding episode in, in, in the Odyssey is the visit to Hades, the underworld. Um, and so Bloom has visited Glasnevin Cemetery, which is the underworld, the, the, the land of the dead, but he has to come back into the land of the living. And so as he crosses the threshold of uh, Glasnevin Cemetery at the gates, you know, he jumps back into the world of life. But just as he does that, um, he says to one of the other uh, guys who's at the at the uh, funeral, he says, oh, look, your bowler hat, there's a little punch on it. And, um, you know, just to punch it back out. I'm sure this is what happened back in the day when people wore bowler hats. But the guy who he tells this to is not happy that it's Bloom that's sort of done this, whatever, and does it and so on. Again, it's just another little indication of Bloom's lack of acceptance within this wider male uh, group. But... As I was saying earlier, he goes back into the land of the living and he's saying things like, well, you know, it's been nice to visit kind of thing, but, uh, you know, back into full-blooded life uh, for me. And there's a mystery there in the sense that this is his life with all its faults, all its disappointments, um, all of its sort of everyday issues that have to be sort of dealt with. He doesn't want to be famous, a star of the screen or whatever it is. He realizes I am who I am, and that's the life he chooses. And I think that, for me, is a fundamental aspect of, of the work. Every day, human, humane, that sort of sense of, you're not going to dream your life away. That doesn't mean that you don't have dreams, but ultimately, this is your lot, <laughs> as it were, for good or bad or ill, you know. Finnegan's Wake, his final work. Yeah. Now, this book was unread by his own family uh, his yeah. brother well i think his brother looked at didn't like it said he didn't like it uh and it's suggested that it was kind of contemptuous of the reader that it was the result of him and his kind of literary pals having kind of uh, too, too many too few uh, cherries yeah. yeah yeah i think look it is a very difficult book i mean he, he himself said look ulysses is set in one day daytime <laughs> And this is set at night. And so it's dreamlike, nightmarish, and so on. So things are a bit murky and unclear. But boy, are they. Um, yeah. He's got several words that are very long. Yes. Uh, several hundred letter words. Yeah. The Sound of thunder. Uh, thunder. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're ever looking for the name of a band or an insult, <laughs> just pick some of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, the first, is it um, uh, Baba Bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that in itself sounds like... Um, <laughs> but look, thing. I think what's interesting to me around it is, and this is one of the contradictions of, of Joyce as well, when you read his, uh, you know, biographies of him and so on, and, you know, the family snapshots of the family they sit around singing old kind of 19th century songs you know those kind of lovely songs and so on and i think finnegan's wake is is the last sort of gasp of of that great victorian mind and i mean the idea that you can get everything in you can you know name everything label everything know everything and that's what finnegan's wake is it's the idea that each language is connected. One story is every story. So if you tell this story of, of, of Humphrey Earwicker, 
who has done something in Phoenix Park and so on and so forth, you're telling the Dublin story, the Irish story, the European story, the international story and so on. Um, and language itself is never just one language, but each English word is made up of other words and so on and so forth. So all of those kind of, of connections. Um, but you could say he achieved it, but to what end? Because as you said at the beginning, lots of people don't read Finnegan's Wake. Um, certainly his readership who had appreciated the great modernist novel uh, of Ulysses were aghast at Finnegan's Wake, thinking, what have you done? What have you done with your talent? Um, but look, it is what it is. He's, he himself said that it would keep people like myself, professors of English literature, busy for a million years, and he's probably right. Um, so it, it, it's, it's multivarious. I think, look, if we talked about it earlier, Dubliners is very much a, a written text. I think Udyssey's edges towards the oral, you know, trying to capture language as it is spoken in Ireland, Hiberno-English and so on. And then Finnegan's Wake, like in, in, in many ways, I suppose it's, it's, it's an attack on writing itself and trying to in some way embrace literally the oral of, of words just happening. Um, how successful or not that is, well, I'll leave that to the reader. You know, what do you think? <laughs> he got into very ill health, really. I know he was a, something of a boozer. Mm -hmm. um, he lost his sight pretty much. Yeah. Um, now, he was a family man too, wasn't yes. he? And yeah. he had children, yeah. one yeah. of whom, Lucia, had yeah. uh, schizophrenia, yeah. I think, was diagnosed yeah. with. And he did spend a huge amount of time and, and money trying to get her uh, sorted, I suppose, yeah. or, or looked after. Yeah. And I think writers uh, have looked at it. Neil O'Connor recently has written the great um, book, Nora, uh, which kind of from Nora Barnacle's perspective tells that story. Joyce is there, but really is Nora's story. But Lucia sort of looms large uh, in that. Yeah, I think a very difficult life at the end. I think, you know, he publishes Finnegan's Wake. The Second World War begins. Obviously, that becomes very important for Joyce himself, where he was living in Paris. They need to sort of exit very quickly and find somewhere else to live and so on. So it's not, uh, it's, it's a difficult time. And also, I think his, his ill health, I mean, you don't know what he would have done after Finnegan's Wake. He himself said something, well, whatever I do after, it'll be much, much, much more simple. You know, it'll be once upon a time kind of thing, you know, um, uh, back to basics, as it were. But who knows? Um, I mean, it's hard to think what would have come after this mighty text. He died in 1941, didn't he? Yeah. Um, in, in Zurich. Yeah. Where he had been living, living yeah, yeah. for a long time. Um, and... He had a perforated ulcer, but there was a very strong sense that he was unwell for quite a long time. Yeah, well, like, I think he, look, uh, yeah, eyesight was bad. Uh, he probably drank too much, smoked, and all of those kind of things. Um, I mean, if you look at pictures of him, he was a young man, but he looked older than, than his years, as mm. it were. Um, I think the energy, you know, it's, it's the energy of putting that into um, the work. And another writer has said, John Banville has said that his best image of Joyce was in Trieste, you know, writing Ulysses, but also changing nappies, doing this, doing that, that that's that whole kerfuffle of life, as it were, led to the art, as it were, as he snatched moments when he would 
create this uh, great work. But it's like, can you, you know, sustain that, I suppose, physically, emotionally, mentally? Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, he achieved a, a, a lot. But yeah, I do get the sense that it was, um, he, he, and certainly from, I, I think, letters from Nor and so on, that like, it, it was devastating because he was a youngish man, you know, he was a youngish man. Yeah, he was 59 yeah, yeah. when, he, when yeah. he deceased. Yeah. Um, a question I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, I suppose, in summation of all of this, is he justifiably considered uh, one of the greatest writers or even the most influential writer of the 20th century? Mm. Yeah, well, the thing is, people, writers would have copied aspects of his work. I think he liberated literature in the sense of the focus on particular characters, um, certain issues and so on, liberated the form of the novel. But actually, that's not true either, because if he dismantled the 19th century novel, and I mean, you know, the Jane Eyre's or Middlemarches of this world, etc., or Dickens's uh, kind of writing, in many ways, he went back to the original novels of the 16th and 17th century when there were no rules and you could just do whichever you wanted to do. So in many ways, he sort of liberates the novel from a restrictive form, but by actually going back to its original uh, energies and moments. Um, so yeah, I think writers would have taken the stream of consciousness, uh, the focus on, on extraordinary individuals who sort of create their reality. I think that's important. But he did so much. It's like... Flann O'Brien said that there's a, a in in one moment of um, when Bloom is coming out of uh, of Barney Kiernan's uh, pub, and a, a little Dublin scamp says, "Oh, your flies! Uh, oh, Mister, uh, your flies are down, Mister." But Flann O'Brien said, "The two Misters there," he said. He said, "Really," he said, "That's it. That's captured the Dublin uh, way of speaking perfectly." In, in that one sort of sentence or half a sentence, the two misters, and that really any writer should just abandon the attempt to sort of recreate Dublinese because Joyce has sort of done it. I think for Irish writers, he becomes, like Yeats and others, too domineering in the sense that it would seem he had done everything. And so, well, how do I write a Dublin novel? Sure, Joyce has done it. How do I write this novel? Ah, sure, Joyce has done it and so on. I don't think that's the case now. So I think... Technically, experimentally, yeah, he allowed things to happen. In terms of what you could write about, absolutely. Um, but there are, there's also a sense in which you write you the Cesar Finnegan's Wake, but that's it. You why nobody else can do that now? <laughs> what I think is interesting in the contemporary moment, a la say Neil O'Connor's Nora and and others, is that people return to Joyce, but like he be, he becomes a character in a novel. If you know what I mean, I don't know. Is that a is that what happens, you know? Is that what happens to sort of cultural figures after a while? You know, that it's like there's a TV show, Shakespeare, it's a comedy or something like that, whatever, The Bard or something like, you know? Um, so is that a kind of sort of fame or a way of continuing one's life? We don't read Shakespeare, but we watch a sitcom about him or whatever. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's an important figure, certainly within Ireland uh, and certainly, I think, internationally, because it's recognised that that focus on a particular moment in time 
allows so much to happen afterwards for other writers. And what's interesting is, and uh, Professor Declan Kybert has said this, that if you look at the way that Joycean studies has developed, the way in which um, Eastern Europe have sort of taken up the mantle, or you go to Asia or South America, all these places that are going through the processes of liberation, politically, ideologically, um, they all see something in Joyce's work that they latch on to as a way of beginning to tell that story. So in telling our particular story, perhaps he offered the world a story that they could also make their own. That sounds very profound. Very uh, it th- that actually, <laughs> but it also sounds like uh, the end of a of a game show. Uh, it is nicely kind of crafted, just uh, yeah. at the end of Bullseye. Um, <laughs> James Joyce. Yes. Uh, what was it? Three, two, one. No, that was a different one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I before we go, by the way, and thank you very much, yes. uh, Derek. It's been really fascinating uh, and very very well spoken. Um, I just want to go through. Some of his great made-up words, right? Because he really did have some, some utter beauties. <laughs> Tell me what some of these might mean. Might mean what's a rip ripple? <laughs> Where did that happen? <laughs> um, rip ripple um, is uh, a word that's attributed to Joyce. It's uh, reduplication. Oh, rip ripple, yeah, 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 yeah. Some form of reduplication. Uh, poppy's mic, poppy's mic. <laughs> It's the spittle that comes out of your gob when you okay. talk. Pelurious, what is that? Jesus, I have no idea. It's a very hairy person. Oh, very good. I can what? see Ronnie Drew saying that. Yeah. <laughs> What's a smile smirk? <laughs> well, I think you've got one now. <laughs> Mum chanciness. <laughs> <laughs> well, these portmanteau words, look, look, a lot of writers sort of did it, but you're, tr- you're bringing these things together to try and, you know, capture a smile smirk, you know, that's both a smile and a smirk. Yeah? Okay. Uh, a wedge a bubble? <laughs> About the water bottle, but the water bottle, Do you remember that joke, Gary? I don't. No. Yeah. What about the water bottle, Biddle? Uh, it's a vegetable, I think. As you get skis, polluter. Do you know what that uh, means? Yeah. Tatarat, tatratat. Yeah. Impetizing. Imp- That's the to to the process of having uh, a, a a limp. Oh. Erection, I presume. All oh, right. Very good. Pornosophical. I think right. it's, uh, yes, and really. a yogi boogie box or yogi boogie box <laughs> that's a place where you go and pray I think spiritualism oh very good um, okay well Derek thank you very very much it's been fascinating talking to you and uh, you have been immortalised on Senior Times well thank you Gary it always uh, is a pleasure to talk about Joyce and we've covered a lot I think you'd need 10 podcasts really not with me, necessarily. <laughs> Derek, thank you very much. See that? Gone. Every morsel. They never expected that. Manna from heaven. I'm not going to throw any more. A lot of thanks I get. Not even a call. They spread foot and mouth disease, too. But how can you own water, really? It's always flown in a stream, never the same. Which is the stream of life we trace. Oh yeah, stream of life. What was the name of that prissy-looking chap who was always squinting weak eyes, pen something, pen Dennis? My memory is getting pen... 
An will phone poke a nuawet, an will knappi no fum nis orjawet, nis eskalehusaj, faker na phone in takata gwin, on show, egg daro, an von klishte is dani, gidi gohan la hai glina, agus taskina, tarod egen, gogachtina, tanismo olis, egg, daro.com.